0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Grad Life Podcast. It's me, Danny, and I'll be your host for today's business episode. I'm delighted to be joined by a very interesting and exciting guest for today's show, a recent graduate of Global Business from Trinity College, currently undertaking a master's in finance and accounting in Imperial College London, but most importantly, he's the co-founder of COVID Interns. COVID interns is a social enterprise that's been widely acclaimed by students, graduates and SMEs across Ireland and abroad for the internship placing service they've provided over the last eight months and continue to provide right now. He's been featured in the Financial Times, the Irish Times, Silicon Republic, amongst others, but now it's the time to step into the real limelight and join us on the grandest stage there is. Paddy Ryder, welcome to the Grad Life Podcast, thanks so many for taking the time mate.
1: Thanks for having me on Danny, delighted to be here.
0: I suppose, probably to take it back to the start of your so-called business journey to date, you studied down in Limerick, went to school in Glensauld Abbey in Tutorial and finishing your Leaving cert, you attained a place in Global Business, a new business degree in Trinity College. How did you find that transition of moving out of basically home city in Limerick up to Dublin, new surroundings, new people, new college, something you weren't too familiar with?
1: I guess I was fortunate that Glensauld was a boarding school, so I was equipped with living out of home. bit of a unique experience living in a castle in the countryside with 190 other students and taught by monks who lived in a monastery next door so um, definitely was a great experience and um, helped me with the transition to Dublin and I guess in transition year I was fortunate to spend a semester in France on exchange and another one in a high school in New Jersey.
0: I'd say that was that was something else.
1: Yeah it was uh, it was fantastic um, you know six of us went over and had terrific host families we went to Delbarton High School and a uh, surreal experience Um you know students coming to college or to, to class in the mornings in helicopters the the governor's son was in my class and you know you'd go to the canteen at lunch and there would be soda fountains on the wall and tens of foods to, to choose from so
0: and i suppose then moving up to dublin was was far less alien than that
1: yeah i think one of the i guess one of the best moves i ever made was moving to trinity halls in first year i you know met so many different people and people who i wouldn't have come across and you were kind of put into a college community from the off and made a lot of friends through that. So, it definitely helped me. Really
0: kind of immersed into that college culture for first year by choice or not.
1: Exactly, exactly. And there was, you know, a thousand students on your doorstep. So, you know, you, you'd find a group and find friends and find those who were like minded with you. And uh, yeah, it was great fun too.
0: So, onto the course content, I suppose. It seems relatively straightforward question to ask someone who studied a business degree were you interested in running a business or setting up your own business at the time or was it alternatively just a stepping stone to study a generic business degree and maybe go from there and see what you liked?
1: Being perfectly honest with you I think I was slightly naive I probably didn't r- really understand the distinction between business and finance and probably pooled it all together Um I think I, when I was in Del Barton, I was fortunate to get a tour of Wall Street and went into uh, Goldman Sachs and, and got a tour and I was kind of blown away by the magnitude of Wall Street and, um, you know, from there I, I decided to, to move school and kind of focus on my studies a small bit and, um, yeah, I think Trinity always appealed to me because it had a perhaps a brand name and, you know, a lot of my friends were going to Dublin and Global Business specifically was, I guess it was exciting because we were the first year of the course and at the time it was the only course where you could do an internship and an Erasmus which really appealed to me Um But Trinity itself didn't really have a finance course, so that's why Global Business uh, appealed to me.
0: It actually doesn't seem an uncommon situation you found yourself in, Paddy, wanting to attend Trinity without there being a finance-specific undergrad degree available. Did you use the Global Business degree as a stepping stone almost into a finance role? Or were you always interested in finance? Did that come later in the college cycle?
1: I think I was still figuring it out, but um, I think Global Business gave me a fantastic grounding. Um, You know, it was a broad degree, uh, got exposed to a variety of different stuff. And uh, the best thing about it really was the small course. Uh, 30 people in my course met fantastic people and learnt a lot from them. Um, You know, as, as the degree progressed too, we had a particular focus on intercultural settings and learning about new cultures and the subtle differences that went between, you know, doing business in China or doing business in Europe and uh, very common things, but things that would go over your head and uh, very practical. So totally enjoyed it.
0: Paddy, I completely agree. I think there are really key learnings, especially for those who may want to move abroad after college and go and continue working in businesses in different countries, you know, knowing those cultural differences can really stand to you. Um, I suppose to step back towards the finance side of things, a logical step would be, if you have an interest in finance, whether you're in Trinity or in any college for that matter, would be to join the Finance Society, or in Trinity's case, the Student Management Fund. You did this when you were in first year, you joined as a junior analyst and then progressed into a senior analyst role?
1: Yeah, like many students, I went around to fresher stalls and signed up to 10 or twenties societies but thankfully the one that I did actually engage with was the SMF so the SMF was really modeled on uh, similar funds in US colleges and essentially it's teaching students how to pitch stocks and value companies um there's 250,000 euros assets under management real money and it's um it's essentially students teaching students so I would have started off as a junior analyst and um you know wasn't hugely engaged for my first two years but learned how to pitch companies and value companies Um, and then from there i would progress to a senior analyst where i would have co-managed a a team of 30 analysts and learned huge amount i think the best thing that the smf did for me was i got exposure to students who were that bit further along the curve than i so you know you had mentors on a casual basis and um, you had the opportunity to pick their brains get advice and that was definitely something that helped me immensely Um, Similarly, another highlight was going to London on a banking trip. Um, I think 12 of us went over and got to visit some of the banks and had a terrific couple of days.
0: I mean, I must say, Paddy, I find the fund itself an incredibly interesting concept, to be fair to Trinity, that they've executed particularly well. It's quite one of a kind in its own right around Europe. I know they do them in the States quite a lot. But it is, to all extents and purposes, a fully functioning investment fund, isn't it? It's got about, what, 250,000 under management, there's a chain of command for want of a better phrase in place with your junior analysts your senior analysts i mean the learnings you must take from that with your four years involved is uh, is incredible
1: absolutely those at the top of the management tree i guess are exceptional and i certainly learned a huge amount from them um, you know consistently place people in the top banks and i think that filters down through the ranks and you know you you learn by osmosis by being surrounded with those people which i found incredible
0: so obviously that trip to London was quite insightful going to see some of the banks like JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, that kind of area down in Canary Wharf where it's all just big money, big banks. Did that kind of instigate a want to go over and maybe work at the likes of these, maybe potentially pick up a summer internship or, or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I think, to be perfectly honest, I was blown away when I got there and it was exciting, You're you know, you're going over and um, visiting these institutions and hearing from you know those who have gone before you you know um, people who have come from Trinity and UCD and are kind of eight ten years older so it was definitely something I I got a lot out of and I guess during the trip I think there was a couple of uh, a couple of us who who really maximised the. The value we got from that, you know, in between uh, the bank visits, we were uh, nipping around London, meeting other people who we were previously been chatting with and meeting for coffees or pints and and really uh, trying to network when we were there too, um, which I think down the line really helped me.
0: So with the knowledge you were acquiring when you were at the fund and obviously the prospect of potentially taking on a summer internship, whether that be in Ireland or abroad, how actively did you look at taking on internships as a business student to differentiate yourself like have a better stronger cv your resume than maybe your counterparts who are also going to graduate the same year as you
1: being perfectly honest with you i place very little weight on it and um, when i went to college it was my full intention to enjoy myself for the first couple of years and i think that's actually very important Um increasingly more students are focused on you know bolting their cv and gaining new experiences and new skills but i think they're college is a nice time to enjoy yourself too so
0: especially in first and second year when your grades may not necessarily count
1: absolutely especially for my degree um you know all of our marks were in final year so um i probably knuckled down in third year and uh, um i guess saw it as a bit of a pre-season for final year so my first two years i was fortunate to spend time traveling across europe and thailand and i think at the end of that i realized that it was actually quite difficult to source internships that um, I looked at some other students and found that I was perhaps behind them as as they had done some internships, which we can probably get onto later, probably um, lit a fuse for COVID interns. But I think I realized that I was a small bit, um, uh, that I had some time to go before uh, you know applying to London. So I spent my penultimate year in college and in third year looking at internships in Dublin and thankfully landed a corporate finance role in Bay Advisory, which was terrific experience. The team was really small, so I sat beside my directors and got huge exposure. I could pick their brains and ask them questions consistently, which certainly benefited me in terms of the business itself. It had your traditional self-side advisory, so um, I learned how an M and A process works and how companies are sold. But also, there was a early stage startup advisory arm. So you know, I was looking at cash flows, business models, and um, helping startups get to a position that they could seek investment from investors and I I just thought I got a really broad holistic learning and it definitely um, was a huge uh, stepping stone.
0: I suppose then going into a firm like that where it's a little bit smaller, a little bit more boutique, you probably learn that bit more because you're so hands on with senior characters around you. It's not necessarily going into one of the big four professional services where you're maybe under an account executive or an associate or or whatever you're sitting beside a director and you're learning directly off them It must have been a fantastic experience absolutely that's the trade off
1: it's brand name versus exposure so um at bay advisory you know it was often me and one other working on a deal or a pitch or um, you know different collateral and uh, you have a significant um, responsibility in that so yeah i don't think i would have got that at maybe some large organizations but then there's a trade off with the brand name so um, both of their merits and, and, and pitfalls but um, I certainly wouldn't have uh, changed anything.
0: So Paddy you finish what you deem a pretty successful internship at Bay Advisory in your penultimate year of college which would have been summer 2019 you go back to Trinity to undertake final year, I'd imagine you probably had an interest in taking on a summer internship or even a potential grad programme for September 2020 start but obviously massive elephant in the room appears which is Covid in March 2020. Ultimately, this kind of derailed any plans that most people had in place as companies put graduates on the long finger and kind of canceled grad programs they didn't really realize what long-term effects this could have on the economies. But you sit your final exams in May, and it seems almost instantly after that, yourself and classmate Rob Muldowney have brought this new kind of social enterprise out called COVID interns which is looking at kind of filling that void of students who were possibly let down of a summer internship and bridge them into jobs with SMEs that really needed their help there and then. It was a social enterprise, so you weren't really gaining anything financially from doing it. But what was the motivating factor behind that?
1: Yeah, that's correct. So I would have spent my summer of third year at Bay Advisory and had similar aspirations in my summer of final year to secure a a role in the bank or corporate finance house and suddenly it came to March and I was in a number of interview processes with um, three or four firms and suddenly week uh, day after day I was getting emails from these firms and they were kind of pulling their their recruitment and waiting until September until they had hiring they had oversight to make hiring decisions so it got me thinking that uh, summer internship would be hard to come by and I thought about it more and more and realized that I wasn't alone in this regard and that there was so many different students who uh, were subjected to the same thing and I got speaking with Rob and he had similar woes and we realized that there was an opportunity here around the same time I was listening to David McWilliams podcast and he often uh, touches on the importance of the SME in Ireland and how uh, it's the lifeblood of the Irish economy and I think you know 95% of businesses in Ireland are, are SMEs so that got me thinking that you know how are these Businesses that rely on brick and mortar revenue are going to survive during lockdown. They're going to have to pivot digitally and sell online. I was thinking of, you know, jewelers, butchers, restaurants, these family owned and operated businesses that might not necessarily have digital marketing skills or be social media savvy. So I thought there was a simple matchmaking service here to partner students with these businesses and lend a hand during COVID. So uh, yeah, after our exams, we launched COVID interns and think we we're pretty fortunate that it gained a lot of traction early. I think I put up a post on on LinkedIn and um nearly 100,000 people saw it and suddenly we had this pipeline of businesses and so we had a dual-sided network so therein lies the issues that we had to remain in equilibrium and sign up lots of students and lots of businesses and and not be um
0: not be student heavy or be business heavy it needs to be kind of even.
1: Exactly because say we have 100 students in 10 businesses that's only 10 businesses that that we can help or or vice versa so um i think we did really well to to grow at scale so we would have formed partnerships with different societies across ireland and in the different universities and that came pretty easy by virtue of who we knew and um we, we just had access to students and then We did the same with business networks, so we got in touch with the IIBN and 8,000 organizations. So suddenly we had a pipeline of businesses and, um, you know, we're in touch with other business networks now, which is fantastic. And then suddenly we started to see a lot of referrals and businesses coming in. So I think throughout the summer we placed um, 150 students into different businesses. It was on a pro bono basis. It was just a community response to help out. And I think at that point we had to realize, was this something that we wanted to pursue and keep, did we perceived there to be more value out there and should we keep it going so we decided to keep it going uh, grew the team um, Andrew Kilgallen um, who you just touched on Emily O'Sullivan and Josh McKee have all come on board and they've all been terrifically helpful Um, you know helped in areas where I, I and Rob were, were perhaps weaker and um, the organization's definitely, definitely blossomed as a result
0: but I suppose like the platform itself is a mutually beneficial platform you know you're helping out SMEs, but it's also fantastic exposure for students to get a placement and get some form of experience under their belt, where whether it not be for COVID interns, they probably wouldn't have had that opportunity or not necessarily had the know-how to go about approaching these businesses and getting that internship.
1: Exactly. SMEs get access to skilled students and graduates without running a costly and time-intensive recruitment process, and students get access to a variety of new organisations, you know, Internships in Ireland are nearly exclusively the big four at times, so um, COVID interns can open up a new cohort of businesses that students can gain skills and experience, and it's mutually beneficial.
0: So September comes, Paddy, and you have a decision to make. It's either, do you stay full-time at COVID interns? Do you maybe try and pick up a role in a bank or a private equity firm? Or do you continue education and maybe enrol in a full-time master's? You take the latter option and, and you attain a place in Imperial College London, studying finance and accounting. And to be fair, it's one of the most well-regarded finance schools in in Europe. So how did you find managing your time between still being very hands-on with COVID interns and undertaking a finance master's, which was obviously really heavy work?
1: Yeah, it was a real struggle. Uh, The master's was really intense and recruiting for the banks was perhaps even more intense. And then balancing COVID interns on the side was Definitely stretch me, but I think in those times when you're stretched to your to your maximum, you learn a lot about yourself and uh, your skills improve. For instance, my time management really improved. It just had to, and um, that was the, I guess the the fantastic thing about having a team. I could rely on the team and delegate slightly more in areas where I was weak, and we could automate our processes and create more efficiencies, and, and then that just resulted in in I guess time efficiencies. Um, but it was definitely a, a struggle. We went through a Blackstone uh, funded accelerator program in my first semester as well, um, w- which added a
0: further strain. But um, yeah, that's the virtue of having a having a strong team. Alongside of that, you've obviously moved to London as well to undertake this master's. So there's a lot of different things at play in your life. You've got the business running, you've got the master's, you're also moving to a new city. Um, how did you find that transition over to London? Was it the same as kind of moving up to Dublin, or was it completely different now that it was a a completely new country and new city that you'd know very little people in?
1: It was definitely strange. I think we got a gentle introduction to London. The hustle and bustle was minimized to an extent, and I guess we were very fortunate all all last semester that College had remained open, so we'd be in um, Monday, Friday, one week; Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the next. And uh, so I think, relative to elsewhere, we got a, a very normal experience in in a in a very surreal time. Um, but to be perfectly honest, I didn't find it a huge transition. Um, you know, similar to Dublin, it's just uh, a bit bigger and a bit bolder. Um, but yeah I was lucky that I moved over with a couple of friends and they were going through um, a similar transition and we all fitted in really well and got on great and I think then just by being busy, you don't really have time to ponder these things and um I think that's kind of what uh keeps you going and you know you realize that the opportunity cost of of being stretched is at its lowest, and these are the times that you should really push yourself and you know it's not like you can go out and play nine holes of golf or go for a couple of pints with the lads um so in that respect, it was, it was good to keep my mind off things and, uh, and um, yeah, moving in the right direction.
0: And I suppose then when you were in London, I know it's something that you're quite passionate about and you put not necessarily a lot of time and focus on, but definitely something that you'd have an interest in is your network and networking. Um, you're actually a founding board member of the Irish Graduates Network, who actually happened to be a partner of ours, so plug the IGN. Um, <laughs> did you find that that networking that you did previously in that networking you built up and kind of worked on, I suppose, for want of a better term, during college helped you when you arrived over in London? Like, was there any warm introductions into people who you reached out to at some stage?
1: Yeah, I think that was a real differentiator for me and really helped me when recruiting. So I guess from third year onwards, so third and fourth year, I was very proactive in terms of reaching out to people. So by the time I hit London, I'd spoken with people um once or twice already. And, you know, it was it was nearly a friendship as opposed to, you know, some kid reaching out for advice and that definitely helped me with all the banks. I I, I learned more about each team and, and what went on. And um, yeah, as you said, I could go in on a Friday evening, meet a couple of people for pints or go for a coffee. And I think um, I think that's the importance of, of maybe building a network is it's not a transaction and a, and a one off thing that it's a relationship and that you know t- you have to keep those relationships warm and, and keep in touch with people and it's something that i guess comes naturally because i genuinely have an interest in people and just like hearing about them and how they got to their positions and um yeah i always learn a lot i always think of it as an asymmetrical bet so if you reach out to someone for a coffee the downside is you've wasted an hour the upside could be a job it could be anything it's you know it's uh there's huge asymmetry there and i think that's uh That certainly helped me and yeah i think networking was perhaps one of the most important things to to landing a role
0: yeah patty i'd be inclined to agree like i personally see networking as a an overwhelmingly positive thing especially for people our age but again there are negative connotations that sometimes go with that and and that's just the nature of it i suppose my theory around it would be that you know no one likes a forced networker or what i'd describe as kind of like inorganic networking i definitely haven't coined that by any stretch of the imagination but, you know, someone who's far too concerned about, you know, what can this guy or this girl do for me? You know, I'd be a big believer in, you know, organic networking in the sense that, you know, you may end up in a conversation with someone at an event or or over a Zoom. But you take something important that you're both mutually interested or involved in and, you know, take that relationship from there. You know, some people are interested in sports and may love the idea of like, you know, going out and meeting for a round of golf or tennis or even like a game of squash I know you've you've (laughs) done that before or even in your case you know someone who might be interested in finance and you both go for a coffee and and chat through your different opinions on whatever's happening in the world at that time I just think that it's it's something that we can all do and not necessarily do it consciously but but almost subconsciously and it can actually really really benefit you going forward you know what would your thoughts on that be?
1: Yeah, I think the connotations around networking are, I guess, you think they're quite sleazy and transactional and, you know, you think of a 40-year-old man in a nightclub handing out business cards, not uh, not too unlike yourself and Crystal. Yeah, very good. <laughs> I guess it's, it's just about meeting people. I've made great friends through the IGN. I think that's the best thing and I probably don't see it as networking. I just see it as, you know, going out for a couple of drinks and you get to hear an interesting speaker. So, yeah, I think... One thing that I certainly got out of it was I saw it as a learning experience. I thought I was very naive and ignorant to a lot of things that went on in the investment banks. And by speaking with people, I was constantly learning. And I just got a huge amount of it, so I kept doing it. And I think in the end, it it it, it paid dividends. Um, but yeah, again, I also, just going back to that transactional point, I'd be a big believer in reciprocity. And you touched on earlier, setting up COVID interns and um, you know doing something pro bono, I think, you know, there, there's there's nothing that's fully altruistic, and I'd be a big believer in reciprocity and how, uh, in later life, you know, if, if I can help someone get an internship, um, you know, that that can only be advantageous down the line in in some capacity. And it's like, oh, those guys were lovely; they helped me out that summer and uh, did a bit of good and helped businesses. So, um, yeah, I think certainly not to look at it as transactional, and I try and look at it as um, just kind of learning from people and uh, finding people who are just that bit ahead of you and and can help you.
0: Being in that space, Patty, or or even wanting to go into the corporate finance industry, interpersonal skills and relationship building and rapport is something that's really, really important. You know, don't get me wrong, there's obviously an awful lot of financial modeling and number crunching that goes on as well. But my brother works in corporate finance and he says, you know, never underestimate the importance of your interpersonal skills because ultimately you're in the business of of deals. You know, you're taking someone's baby their business and you're out shopping it around on their behalf and and you know trying to get the best deal for them which requires a, an awful lot of trustworthiness and interpersonal skills.
1: Absolutely and it's it's something that I guess I'm always trying to get better at is trying to build a rapport with people and, and look at my interactions with them and yeah absolutely there's a you know with with automation and AI and all these different technologies more and more roles will be replaced but one thing that won't be is interpersonal skills and, and roles that involve interpersonal skills um, you know, like whether it's bringing in a deal or, or whatever it is, I think it's invaluable and very important going forward.
0: I recall when we were in college, Paddy, you were particularly active in third and fourth year, especially with reaching out to people who were in industries that you may have wanted to go into after college and looking to, to meet them and, you know, pick their brain on, on specific things and just get a bit of advice. You know, how much emphasis would you put on that for college students and where would it sit in your priority list?
1: I think it's a mix so as a college student it's almost like you have a divine right to speak with people everyone is willing to help college students you know when you enter the workforce you have a vested interest you're working for some firm so people think you have a hidden agenda but as a student people can put themselves in your shoes and they look back and say oh that was like me when i was in college i didn't really know what i wanted to do or what that role was like or where i was going so i think as a college student you can just reach out to people and they'll give you advice they'll give you time and, uh, you know, people have been very, very good. Even, for instance, setting up COVID interns, it was my first kind of business venture as such. And I was a complete novice and I was able to reach out and lean on friends and, and those a, a small bit older than me who had been there and, and trotted the path. And uh, it definitely, definitely helped to have mentors and advisors like that.
0: You'd actually be surprised how nice people are when you actually just reach out to them and, and get in touch as opposed to, to not asking any question at all.
1: Absolutely. The worst someone can say is no. and. People love to talk about themselves and uh, tell you what they've done. So it's a a win-win.
0: So I know you're a big reader, absolutely avid reader. Um, So something that we do on every episode is ask for a book recommendation. But seeing as you've been locked up down in Limerick, uh, I'd imagine you're flying through the books. (laughs) So I'm going to actually ask you for two. So if you want to give maybe one on the business side of things, uh, entrepreneurship, and then one of just personal interest, whether that be business related or not.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably been the best thing that's come out of lockdown for me was I realised I was very addicted to my phone and I saw reading as kind of a, an escape from that. So would read during the day and at night and I'd really encourage anyone out there, especially as a college student, to read because, you know, you can pick up different trends and, and topics and you see things from a different perspective and then you can start, you know, taking pieces from X, Y and Z and, and formulating opinions. So
0: And alongside that, I also noticed people's vocabulary who read are... Also, far far better in the way they structure emails. It seems like a little <laughs> thing, but when you you can tell if someone reads by the way they type an email, and even going off some of the uh, the the big words and jargon you've listed so far in this chat, it's evident that you're reading a lot. <laughs> um, so give us the two books. I think
1: on the startup side, you know, there's Shoe Dog for the the Nike founder Phil um, Knight. Yeah. Those type of books, um, be it like Bad Blood, Zero to One. Um, Red Notice, they're all very engaging and easy to read and and interesting, so I think they're brilliant books to start off on because you can kind of get into tougher stuff thereafter. I think other than that, um, Jeff Boots, The Price of Tomorrow is exceptional, speaks about various technologies and how they're deflationary by nature and how that fits into the current environment.
0: I actually recall having a conversation about deflationary economies before with you, Paddy, because you were reading at the time about cryptocurrencies and how they combat the inflation rates that, that come with the like excessive bill printing that was obviously going on in, in the United States at the time. You've gotten quite into to crypto since and, and have invested a bit of money into it, haven't you?
1: I think I was fortunate to be listening to a podcast that was speaking about Bitcoin uh, just at the very first lockdown and um, I kind of fell down the rabbit hole and got pretty obsessed with it and yeah, um, it's led to it's kind of reading about Germany in the 1920s and the parallels to uh, to what's going on. And I think if you look at COVID, the response by governments and, and that printing, it's it's a fascinating space for Bitcoin. And uh, you know, you see it in the headlines every day now. It's a, it's a, it's a funny one.
0: I don't want to go completely off topic here, Paddy, or end up down a, a Bitcoin and crypto rabbit hole, which can happen so easily. But I mean, the idea of decentralized finance is something that's getting a lot more media attention at the moment. It's becoming a lot more prevalent. You know, the average Joe is now investing in Bitcoin and is either consciously or subconsciously, you know, decentralizing that finance. Like, is this something that, being a master's student in finance, you're getting exposure to at college and it's being talked about?
1: Yeah, there was an elective um, blockchain and crypto assets that I picked. So um, when I'm slacking off from college work, I can kind of... Uh, uh, Caught myself into thinking that I'm doing work for college by, by reading these books, but yeah, it's a uh, it's something that um, is hugely fascinating and really important. And uh, yeah, the applications of blockchain and and decentralisation going forward, uh, I think is is here to stay. And uh, yeah, it's set to disrupt uh, many industries.
0: Your account, I hope that it's here to stay anyway. Or a few few quid down the Swanee. <laughs> no comment, no. <laughs> um, I suppose then, going forward, Paddy, um, when you finish up an Imperial, do you have any plans to go back full-time at COVID interns, or what do you have lined up?
1: Thankfully, I landed a summer internship at an investment bank in London, Hoola uh, and Loki, so I have some tough weeks ahead there, I think, and then I'm coming back to Dublin to join Key Capital and their graduate programme, so thrilled to, to do that, and hoping to keep COVID interns up as a passion project on the side, and um, yeah, we'll see if, uh, if I can balance that and uh, that's, that's the plan now going forward anyway.
0: Fantastic. I suppose then finally Paddy, if you were to give a few pieces of advice back to the Paddy Rider of first year of college about going forward and what might make your journey a little bit easier or something of insight back to an 18 year old you, what would it be?
1: I think firstly is to surround yourself with people who are better than yourself, and I was definitely fortunate, uh, being in global business, that I didn't have to look too far to incredible people. Um, you know, three of my best friends in in college, um, Charlie Butler, Brian O'Mahony, you know, Mm -hmm. those guys setting up Bounce and Tribe was uh, kind of inspirational for me and very motivating, and um, I think it actually, in a small way, contributed to to robbing me, um, setting up COVID interns and just taking that punt. So I think, um, I think there's a a phrase that says. you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with and i think that was uh beneficial in in, in my instance i think secondly life isn't a zero-sum game so uh, don't be afraid to help others it does nothing to you and i think it will benefit you in the long run and then finally i think especially when people are applying to jobs it can be you know i i certainly had my fair fair number of rejections and uh it can be frustrating but i think one thing to note is not to look at it as a binary outcome, don't look at it as, as a yes or no. I think in life we're kind of programmed to think of everything as a binary outcome, how many leaving cert points we got, what course we got into our grade in our course, it's yes, no, it's do we get that job? But you know, if you apply for for a role in, in PwC and there's a thousand applicants and you know, you don't quite get the role but you make the final interview, you've probably beat eight hundred students. It shouldn't be a failure, it should be kind of a you know, you should be looking at the growth and, and you know, how you take the next step and you know, you've beat eight hundred and not lost to two hundred.
0: You've definitely been reading a few philosophy books anyway, Paddy, I'll give you that. Um, thanks so many for taking the time to come on. Really, really appreciate it. To anyone who's listening who wants to get in touch with Paddy and maybe pick his brains, um, he's absolutely all for it. You can reach out to him on LinkedIn, Paddy Ryder, um, shoot him a message. And I suppose if your, uh, your chat uh, earlier was ending to go by, you'd be more than happy to meet for a, uh, a coffee or a pint when, when restrictions <laughs> are lifted.
1: Thanks a million, Danny. Appreciate it. And hopefully I'll uh, catch you for a and a couple of holes of golf uh, in the not-too-distant future.
0: Cheers, mate. Appreciate it.